Welcome to this week's episode of the North Bible Church Podcast. Now, let's join our pastor as we open God's Word together. Thanks, you guys. Merry Christmas. I just have to grab this. We kind of do everything around here. I just want you guys to know I can still carry this sucker, okay? Thank you. <laughs> All right, so the Christmas story. And nice to see you guys back there. Hey, um, we're going to begin the Christmas story from the book of Matthew, the, the version that Matthew uh, gives us. And we begin in, in Matthew, the first chapter in verses, uh, verse 18. It says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way when his mother Mary uh, had been betrothed to Joseph. Before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, uh, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, the prophet Isaiah, uh, by the way, behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. <laughs> now, Joseph, Joseph found himself in a real mess. Uh, he's betrothed. Um, Mary's pregnant. She tells him that the child is from God, and what's he going to say, Right? What's he going to do about that? And then he's a good man, and he doesn't want to cause more harm to Mary. And then he's visited by an angel in a dream. But what's he going to say to his family? And how's he going to explain this to his neighbors, for that matter? And to make matters worse, he's forced to take Mary to Bethlehem for a census right when the babies do. It's not anything that he expected. It's not anything that he could have planned. And he finds himself in this situation. He finds himself in this place. And, and then there are the shepherds who are in the same region. And, and this meant that they were tending their sheep, um, that were, they were tending sheep that were probably being prepared for sacrifice. There was a rabbinic rule uh, that if they found sheep between Jerusalem and a certain spot near Bethlehem, that they were free to take as many sheep as, as they needed for their sacrifices. And so those, those shepherds, the night watchmen of the shepherds, were probably keeping sheep that were going to eventually be sacrificed in the temple in Jerusalem. And most of you have heard about shepherds. They were one of the lowest classes of people. The, the nature of their work kept them out of town and away from ceremonial law, which meant to, a lot to religious people of the day. And, and the fact is that they were typically in remote places and they were always considered unclean because they weren't available when it was time to do the ceremonial cleansing. Uh, they weren't allowed to... Uh, they weren't allowed to testify in court. One, one part of it was because they were considered unclean, and, and the other part is that shepherds were notorious for uh, their reputation of what's thine is mine as they kind of traveled through the mountains uh, and in the neighborhoods. 
they uh, didn't have a great reputation and their life was messy. Uh, you can imagine when the angel spoke to them uh, that the angel said very first and foremost, fear not, and, and it may have been because you see an angel and something we don't see every day, but it was possibly because the shepherds just by nature thought they were in trouble uh, because of their reputation, because of their lifestyle. And, and so the a- angel of the Lord, when he appeared to them in, in the Gospel of Luke, we read that, uh, he said, fear not, And then he said, for unto you this day a Savior is born, and he is Christ the Lord, and you'll know this because you'll find him in a manger wrapped in swaddling clothes. So the the angel said, first of all, there's a Savior. A Savior has been born, and Savior means deliverer. So the very first thing that the angel said after, he said, don't be afraid, everybody relax. Then he, he says, for unto you is born a deliverer. And then he says, who is Christ the Lord. This is a unique phrase in all of the Bible because unto you is born this day a savior, a deliverer who is Christ. Christ is another word, the Greek word for Messiah. A Messiah was the anointed one. In the Old Testament, if you read the Old Testament, there's lots of points where somebody's anointed for a specific task. But, but here the angel said, the Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one, that that he is the one that's been promised for centuries. He's the one that they've been told is coming. He is Christ. And then they use this word Lord, which in the Greek is kurios, and it it is, it's a word that stands for the supreme authority, that they're using the strongest language that they can, can, uh, that the shepherds can understand, that the deliverer who is is come, who is the the weighted Messiah, the one you've been waiting for, and he is the Christ. He is the ruler of everything, that he is the king of kings. And so they bring this language, and, and then the angel says something that's intriguing here. Uh, in verse 12 of Luke 2, he says, and here's the tip-off, and here's the key to finding the Messiah. And if you're a shepherd, then you're probably thinking, oh, here's the big reveal. This is what we've been waiting for, that this is the Messiah. And, and we're probably going to be told that if you go to Jerusalem and you work your way to the top of the temple, you're going to see this, this astonishing person wrapped in silk, and, and he's holy, and he's radiant, and all of those things. Things, but that's not what the angel tells the shepherds. They, he says, if you go and look for him, here's what you're going to find. Uh, the angel says, you'll find this baby born in a barn, wrapped in rags, and laid in a feed trough. It's an ironic thing because in our day, whenever you see a nativity scene in, in somebody's home or in a shopping center or, or in front of a church or something, it always looks so great. It looks so neat and clean and and you know, the people that are in the nativity scene, they look like they just got out of the shower and they sprayed their hair and their, their robes have been ironed and, and they just look really good. Everything's taken care of. But in an actual barn where Jesus was born, it wasn't that way because a barn is a messy place. I'll guarantee you, when Mary found out that that's where she was gonna give birth to her baby, she didn't say to Joseph, sweet, a stable animals, manure, all of those things. This is so retro. This is so quaint. I love this idea. She didn't say, she didn't do that. I'm sure her response was quite different. Now, my wife is the toughest person that I know, and we have three sons, and when we had our sons, 
she didn't want any painkillers. She didn't want anything, any drugs. She just said, bring it on. We're going to have these babies, right? But we were in a beautiful hospital in a, in a really nice room, and we had doctors and nurses and equipment and everything that we could possibly need if something went wrong, and Mary didn't have any of that. Nobody went through the barn and scoured it with Lysol and handy wipes and ahead of time, and, and it just smelled like a barn. It smelled like a stable, like what we would expect a stable to smell like. It looked like a stable. It's not a nice place to have a child. And when the shepherds showed up, they didn't bring a big increase in class or cleanliness to the stable. <laughs> they don't buy their clothes at Nordstrom's and they're not, they weren't particularly big on hygiene. The baby got laid in a manger and a manger's not a high-end product in the crib line. You know, today, today cribs are like transformers. That's a movie reference, by the way. But you, you put your baby in a crib, and then when they outgrow the crib, you start breaking it down, and it kind of morphs, and all of a sudden, it's a bed for the baby, and I know what's coming next. You can just tell that someday, there's gonna be a crib, and it's gonna be transformed into a nanny when it's done, and that nanny will take care of your child for you, and that's just gotta be the next step in the process, but, but that Mary didn't have that, she didn't have anything close to that, that her baby got laid in a manger where animals feed. And I've got a couple of pictures now. Here's kind of the traditional manger. It looks like the one that we have over here, right? And that's, that's kind of what we normally think. But this is what we do to mangers. Here's the next picture. We hang Christmas lights and we pretend that that's what the stable looked like and that's what the manger looked like. But here's the reality. The, a first century manger may have looked like this. It's a trough that's dug out of a rock. So somewhere between the wood, we're not sure, and, and just rock that's sort of dug out and some hay is thrown in, that's where Jesus was laid. And it was messy. And it's not an arbitrary fact that we should find Jesus in this condition. This is the tip-off. Uh, this is the dead giveaway. This is why Jesus is no ordinary king. And here's the clue. Here's the clue, you can recognize him because he will show up in the messiest places that you can imagine. No power, no money, no fanfare, no applause, no newspapers, no headlines. Born in a stall, wrapped in rags, surrounded by animals, entrusted to poverty-stricken young couple. The king of the universe, the alpha, the omega, the one who created the heavens and the earth, enters into human history in a little bundle wrapped in obscurity and poverty and humility because this is what Jesus does. He enters into our messiness because there is no place that he won't go and there's no thing that he won't do because there are no depths that he will not descend in order to bring God's power and God's love and God's grace and God's peace and God's goodness and his presence to anyone who will have him. That's what Jesus does. And this will be a sign to you about Jesus that you will see God in a messy place. That's where he shows up. And the reason that this is good news to us <laughs> should be obvious because we're messy people and we live in a messy world. And every day, it seems like it's getting a little messier. Think about this last year with its scandals, its war, its terrorism, its politics, oh, all of the things that have gone on, all of the things that 
we shouldn't talk about around the dinner table, right, with friends. You know, Jen and I were on a cross-country flight one time. Uh, we had just two little boys at the time, and Aaron wasn't born yet, and, and our second son, Josh, had an ear infection, and we were flying all the way across the country, so I spent the entire flight walking up and down the aisle holding this infant who's screaming at the top of his lungs because of an ear infection, and there was nothing that we could do, and, and we had another little boy, Caleb, that we're trying to keep busy with whatever we can, and, and I'm quite certain that we changed a messy diaper or two along the way during this long flight, and, and so here's, here's Josh screaming, and, and you know that it's a, you're having a bad day when the flight attendant comes up to you and says, sir, do you think you could take your child outside? <laughs> that's, that's, that's a bad day. You, you, you know that you're in trouble then. But here's the funny thing about us, is that you take the stuff that we treasure in life the most, the people we love, the family we cherish, those that we really hold dear in our lives, and it doesn't seem quite as messy, does it? When they're yours, when they belong to you, when you love them, their, their mess just doesn't seem quite the same. And probably the great message of Christmas is that that's how God sees us. He enters into our mess, but because we belong to him, because he loves us, it, it's just not the same. It's not how we would treat other people. God says, no, it's not that way at all. And maybe you walked into the room today and and part of what you're thinking is that I made some resolutions in my life uh, this year and I haven't kept any of them. I'm just as messed up uh, as ever. Or, or I had some questions and I said I was gonna get answers to them this year and I haven't done a thing. Or I had some bad habits and I was determined that I was gonna get straightened out and I didn't get any of it straightened out. Or, or I had a relationship that was kind of broken and I said I was gonna fix it and I didn't fix it. Or I had made some decisions last year that I really regret. I don't know where you come from, but I wanna tell you if that's your condition, you came to the right place because this is a room full of messy people. We are a group of messy people. And apart from God, we just keep messing things up. That's what we do. So I want to do a quick mess inventory here tonight, okay? Uh, just, to, just to level the playing field, I want you to reflect on the last 12 months of your life, and, and, and then we're going to do this mass confession uh, mess-making thing, and it's going to be good for the soul, and it's a, a kind of a gift that I'm going to give you uh, to help you uh, spiritually. So if you have at least one area of your life, now you're all starting to sweat, little BBs, that you're thinking I'm going to have you raise your hand or stand up and recite it, but I'm not going to do that, okay? But if you have at least one area in your life that got a little messy, it could be relational, it could be vocational, maybe it's financial, maybe it's academic if you're in school or spiritual or moral or parental or romantic, maybe you get it uh, because we all mess up someplace and here's the good news about Jesus that he doesn't really care how messy your life is. It doesn't scare him at all because he started his life in a mess, dressed in rags, laid in a manger, and then there was the mess when he was wrapped in rags and hung on the cross, and in between the first day and the last, he mostly hung out with pretty messy people, and he kept loving them and embracing them and teaching them about a better way. That's what Jesus does. That's what he does, that's who he is. He went to the cross and the reason that he went to the cross was that he was taking on the mess of the whole world. The mess that you and I can never straighten out. My sin, my junk, and yours. 
And that's what he was taking on himself. Mess doesn't scare him at all. It's who he is. Emmanuel means God with us. And author Eugene Peterson was known for saying, and God moved into our neighborhood. He didn't try to avoid our mess. He didn't try to stay away from it. He didn't say, go clean yourself up first. Go make yourself presentable and then come back to me. But God entered in to our mess because we belong to him, because he loves him. And here's what makes God smile is when somebody comes to him and says, God, I know I messed up apart from you. Come in and help me. Come in, God, because I can't clean up my mess. I need you to clean that mess up for me. Make your home in my heart. And that part's up to you and me, and that's a decision that, that, that I hope that this night above all, you will know that God is still with us and his desire is to be present in our lives and he wants to fill our hearts with his love. So some of you may know that, that something's missing and let me quote the angel to you again who appeared to the shepherds the night that Jesus was born. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. God came, and now he wants to come into our lives. He is the only solution for the mess that we find ourselves in. And he doesn't hold it against us, but he embraces the mess in our lives because that's who he is. That's why he came, and only he has the power to do it. I don't know what last year was like for you, but I believe this to the core of my being, that the next year could be the greatest year with God that you've ever had. You're invited to start right now, right this second. God is giving you the opportunity to allow him into your mess, the mess that only he can make clean. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you for how you remind us through the Christmas story of your incredible love. And I thank you, Lord, that, that, that you came in a mess so that we might understand that you're not afraid of our messes. And we thank you for that tonight. And I thank you for all the friends that have joined us. I ask, Lord, that you would touch our hearts, that you would touch our minds, or that you would remind us of how much you love us and of who you are. And we'll give you the thanks and all the praise in Jesus' name, amen. In just a moment, we'll rejoin our pastor for today's closing thoughts. But first, we wanted to thank you for tuning in. North Bible Church is located in Scottsdale, Arizona and exists to equip all generations to love God, love one another, and love the world. For more information about North, please visit our website at northbiblechurch.com. Now, some closing thoughts from our pastor. May the peace of Christ and the love of the Father be with you this Christmas season. The one who enters into the messiness of our lives and who loves us more than we could ever imagine. I pray that you be richly blessed and filled with him during the holidays. I love you guys. God bless you. Thank you. Good night. You may blow out your candles.
thank you for joining us for this week's message. North Bible Church is located in Scottsdale, Arizona, and exists to equip all generations to love God, love one another, and love the world. For more information about North, please visit our website at northbiblechurch.com.